Support the Amigos podcast and keep the Amiga goodness flowing for just a dollar a month. Visit our page at patreon.com slash Amigos podcast. Amiga, the first personal computer that gives you a creative edge. Amigos, the podcast about everything Amiga. Amigos is a proud member of the Throwback Network, your home for quality retro podcasts. And now, here are your hosts, Aaron Dowdy and John Bodovkar Schaller. Strangling with my pants right here at the end of the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today we're going to talk about Typhoon Thompson. In search for the sea child. Yeah. Defender of the Universe, recording agency. You know what I'm doing? I have no idea. If I think you it was sort of an aneurysm. If noise, it's just me and the boys. You're not a big Parliament guy, are you? I, I, I know that song, but I mean, what's that to do with Typhoon Thompson? Well, you said the you said the Sea Child. Yeah, I was singing Star Child. Oh, I see what you did there. Thank you. Very clever, boat. That's why you're making the big bucks, pal. But before we get into Typhoon Thompson and George Clinton, yeah, we're going to do some Amiga news. That would have spiced the game up considerably, if you think about it. It would have been great to have Bootsy Collins descend from the heavens. <laughs> Maybe he's driving the ship. <laughs> that would make a lot of sense. It would. I can't imagine George driving it. No. no. So let me get the he's Gambletron out here. Now, we were a little light on the news this week, so but we'll have a, have a quick look here. Um... You know, we talked about Rough and Tumble last week. You remember mm-hmm. that boat? Yeah. We thought that was a pretty good little uh, game. So some fellow named John Schaller shared this link on Rad Rogers World One on Steam. Now this is a uh, now. Have you looked into this at all? So this is um, this is probably the closest thing to like a spiritual successor to uh, Rough and Tumble that has ever existed. Yeah, uh, you, if you're watching the, the the video version of this, you are seeing um, this is this is a kid, a little kid with a huge gun, and it's a it's a 3D uh, platformer sort of sort of thing, um, and it just looks. I haven't played it, but it looks pretty neat. Uh, I actually don't think it looks bad, and um, and. Uh, it actually that's, looks really awesome. Yeah, that's that's what it is. So, uh, now, and, as I recall, I think the brain trust was talking about this, and they said that this there there were none of the people that did on the original had anything to do with it. Right, right, right. They're just taking that aesthetic. And uh, hat tip to uh, Paul Harrington, I believe. Uh, yeah, for uh, for sending me that link because that's that's a really cool. Paul's game. in the know. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. So that might be cool if you're on Steam. Feel froggy. Ha- have a look. Now this is something that Chris Falls just love it. Uh, sent in, and I, I'm telling you, I've, I've looked in this a little bit. I'm got to have a good hard look. Uh, better Workbench 4.3 or Better WB 4.3 was released. It's a, a more slimline approach to the Amiga Workbenches. Now this is more utility than than I would normally cover, but hey, I'm always looking for something to. to uh, hey, listen, I love Amiga Workbench as much as more than the next guy, but there's always room for improvement. You know, what I'm saying it's been a few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've had a I've had a small look at this. It looks it looks pretty sharp, and uh, uh, anything that's getting regularly updated is is good by me. So if you uh, feel like giving this a whirl, uh, we've got it linked up in the Google Plus. And uh, if you uh, do have a look at it or you're running it, let us know what you think. I'd be I'd be kind of interested into uh, to know what what's going on. So our good and dear friend Brule Barracuda sent over a couple links. Uh, the first one here, we're going to look at this. It's an Oliver Twins joint 
Daria Dara O'Brien's go was that go eight bit. Now have you had a look at this? But, oh, and there it is. It's a video of oh my gosh, what was, the sound flew off the charts there. What are we looking at here, boat? Quick snack segment. Oh gosh, this is recent too. Let's see if we get to the Oliver Church. We're looking through the video right now. You know, that guy looks awful familiar. Do you know who that is? No. Yeah. Now, this Quick Snacks, of course, we are familiar with this. This is a uh, sort of a dizzy puzzle game. Mm-hmm. Have, you, have you remember playing this? I've played it in the past. I remember seeing it on one of oh, like a media compilation. Go. Yeah. Now, like, <laughs> wow. Dignified as ever. <laughs> so, uh, I, I didn't like this game that much, to be completely honest with you. But, uh, uh, you know, hey, people love the dizzy stuff. So, if you want to see, uh, gosh, some... Antics. I don't know what to say. Humiliating <laughs> antics <Yeah>. displayed. <laughs> Y'all were twins. You go ahead and have a look at that. Uh, uh, Barracuda always on the job here. That's a wacky one, man. Um, another one Barracuda s- stuck up, and this one isn't necessarily uh, Amiga-related, but it's classic gaming-related. It's a. It's called uh, Crossing Souls. It's a... Uh, According to the, to Double B, it's the uh, the glory of '80s crammed into a single computer game, and this is another Steam game. Uh, when I think of glory of the '80s crammed into a computer game, I think of the of the uh, retro. What was that called on the Retro NES? City Rampage? Retro City Rampage, mm-hmm. which is a tremendous game. Although this, I'll have to say, as we look at this video, it looks enticing. Yeah, it uh, really looks cool, and it looks well done. Uh, it, it's neat to see. You know. We, we have lived long enough now that we are seeing the stuff we grew up uh, sort of looked at in a nostalgic way. Mm-hmm. This means you've lived too long, I think. <laughs> because uh, while part of me thinks this is awesome, part of me is disturbed. I like, I'm going to be. No, in- the disturbing part is when it's the stuff that's newer than the stuff you grew up with is looked upon in a nostalgic way. Well, yeah. That's when it gets. I bad. mean, I go to the antique store, as you know, uh, quite a bit. Uh, being an antique, they have to, I have to have a car to get out of there. But uh, uh, I often see games and puzzles and uh, uh, whatnot that I owned as a kid. Mm-hmm. And it's so brutal to see that stuff. Just wait till you see, like, Pokemon cards and stuff in the antique section. Oh, man. Well, that would be weird if they ever get old enough to do that because people still use it all the time. But, I mean, it, it's very, I don't want to say humbling, it's very discouraging, I guess. I mean, I'm still around. That's cool. I guess I want to be around. Sure beats the alternative. That's right. You sound like my buddy Orc. So anyway, you can check this out. I believe it said it was coming out on the PS4. Mm-hmm. So uh, um, might be fun. I'll, you know, Retro City Rampage is p- pretty pretty cute. If mm-hmm. it's along those lines. Um, another Chris Fulwich joint, and it, this is he shared this, but it's actually an article from our good and dear friend, super contributor, all around nice guy, Dreamcatcher, the man amid the legend, has a new article out, Soldier of Misfortune. Uh, this is a uh, gimmick where he's put together a little thing. By the way, take a drink. On uh, Zane DeSlean, a soldier of light. Now, I've actually heard of, of these games, but I've not played them. Now, Bo, have you ever played any of these? No. Um, I, now, as we look at these stills, these I think I do want to play. <laughs> I don't know what's happening in these, but it looks intriguing. Yeah. It's, <laughs> uh, it's really weird that the, the size of it. The the perspective and the size of the sprites is really strange, and uh, yeah, looks looks interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, of course, Dreamcatcher his articles are ultra in depth, and as always, and with lot and I mean lots of good uh, research. This looks like he's covered the entire uh, 
<laughs> of course, he stuck that in there. Looks like he's covered all the different versions of it as well. So if, you, if that's your cup of tea, I'll, you should always read his stuff anyway because it's always good. I often find stuff in there that I never would have given two craps about, but it's so interesting. I'm like, well, I'm going to check this out. Yeah. I found a, a, a bunch of games that way. That's pretty much all I've got for news. You got anything news-wise, Bo? Nothing, nothing from me this week. The, uh, um, I guess one last small item is that, uh, as I mentioned last week, our good and dear friend Slow Norris sent me a lovely expansion for the uh, Amiga 600 memory expansion. I finally had a chance to stick that in, and it works great. It works 100%. So, oh. special thanks to Slow and uh, a ringing endorsement for the folks over at Amiga Kit who uh, once again provide a nice product if they get it there on time. And with the one exception of the, the uh, Key Raw, I've never had any trouble with Amiga Kit. I've always got my stuff in a very timely manner. So, thank you, Slow, very much. I, appreciate I, I guess one, one more side update we have is that uh, Brutal Barracuda. Uh, has been slowly trickling out uh, some of our classic mailbags. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, so if you're interested in reliving all the fun of us watch, unwrapping, you know, candy and booze and all kinds of fun <laughs> stuff from drinking. overseas, yeah, uh, go on over to the YouTube channel and check that out. Could you believe how many of those there have been? I, I mean, know. I, I couldn't. It's. I mean, we've gotten so many of those. He's put out so many. I was. I, I'm always stunned that there's. I was like, there's another one. Mm -hmm. And of course, Brutal does a good job on that stuff. Speaking of Brutal. Uh, Brutal was the force, the driving force boat behind our Amigos challenges. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's been a few months since we did an Amigos challenge, but I'm looking to, I'm looking to ramp it up again. So, uh, if you have an idea for our Amigo challenges, uh, head over to the forums and drop us a line. There's an Amigo challenge uh, message there. You can uh, give us your ideas. And I'm going to look at a couple of these, and I'm hoping within the next week or two to get another one up and running. Because the last one was pretty well received, so I'm, and I'm ready to go again. I'm thinking, again, a good racing game or something, but I'm, I'm easy. So if somebody comes up with a very clever idea, we'll give it a whirl. So that's on the docket. So hopefully sometime in the month of March, we'll kick off another Amigos Challenge. Cool. All right, Aaron, it is time for our game of the week. This week's game comes from Amigos Game Selection Committee member Blendo75. Uh, as we talked about uh, last week, if you support Amigos with uh, $10 or more uh, a month support on Patreon, then you get to choose one game per month for us to play. And this week's game comes from Blendo, who is a local guy from West Virginia. I love uh, it. Yeah. And uh, so. Get down here, Blendo. Right. Um, and his game is Typhoon Thompson. Now, I will tell you before we start this that I have never I had never ever heard of this game ever have you ever me heard neither. of this at all me neither uh, and uh, I'm surprised so this is actually a pretty interesting game and before we get into the game this game is really the tale of three games did you know that no three games and so we're gonna start at the beginning uh, of this of this wacky tale this is another game that has a, a great backstory so this game was created and developed by an outfit called Dan Gorlin productions now Boat. What do you know about Dan Gorlin? Oh, I could I could write a book on Dan Gorlin. No, I don't know anything. <laughs> well, listen, this is an interesting tale, and it's worth telling. So, Dan Gorlin uh, is a guy who teaches uh, and performs West African dance and drumming with the uh, Alakoli West African Dance Team. It makes sense for him to develop a hovercraft-based Amiga game. Well, there's a, there's a story. So. Um, when Dan was living in L.A., he worked for the Rand Corporation, which, of course, again, plays right into the dancing. 
and it w- and he was working on artificial intelligence. And he was there, and he took some time off, and he bartered. Can, can you imagine living that life where you work for Rand, and then you become an East African drumming ensemble leader? <laughs> yes. Like- <laughs> so he borrowed an Apple II from his granddad, okay? And he was trying to sell his house there, so he was he had nothing to do. And so he sat around messing with this with this uh, Apple II, okay? And learned how to program on it, because why not, right? And so he, he was into helicopters, okay? And so what he started doing was making a helicopter game. At first he wanted to make a 3D helicopter game, but he realized that the Apple II didn't have to jack and mm-hmm. do a 3D helicopter game. So he made a 2D game, and he would play his he would play this helicopter game. And he had a guy come over who was working on his car. <laughs> Believe it or not, this makes it, this is part of it. So the guy's working. It's a kid. He's working on a guy's car, and he sees him playing this game. He goes, "Listen, he goes, what you?" He goes, "I love Defender, right? The video arcade game." He goes, "What you need to do in this game is have some dudes where your helicopter can go pick them up, you know." So Dan went over to the local laundromat as one would do, to see what Defender was, because he didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. And he looked at it, and he had no idea what was going on. Because if you ever played Defender, there's like 70 buttons, and it's crazy time. Yeah. Like, I never was any good at Defender Stargate. You, you, I never knew that, because I'd always played Defender on consoles, right. or, you know, on the computer, whatever, where there's just a normal joystick and whatever. When you approach that thing in the arcade, you're immediately overwhelmed. Well, one of the, the people that really like Defender like the complexity. Yeah. And they, yeah. they realize, listen, your average arcade guy, they're not going to give you what it is. I mean, every, there are no joysticks. It's all buttons, and mm-hmm. it's, it's insanity. Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. So, so uh, Gorlin looked at this, and he's like, well... I don't see any men, but I will take the kid's word for it. <laughs> so he went back and he added dudes to his game. And he told his wife, he said, listen, because I think this is a pretty good game. I bet I can make some money on it. She's like, yeah, all right. So he contacted some dudes over at Broderbun, and lo and behold, Choplifter was born. Really? He's wow. the fellow that, and everyone knows Choplifter. Yeah. He was the fellow that put together Choplifter. <clears throat> so... Choplifter ended up being a big hit. And so it was time for him to work on the fo- a follow-up for it. So you'll recall that I said initially he wanted this to be a, a 3D game. Mm-hmm. But the Apple II didn't quite have the, uh, the jack to pull it off. So, and he didn't have the knowledge of how to program a game like that, too. So he started on his, on his next title, okay? So he started working on another title for the Apple II. And... Uh, it was called Airheart. Okay, now if you have uh, ever seen this game uh, when it came out, and apparently this is a pretty big deal on that on those uh, computers, it is exactly the same, pretty much as as uh, this game here. I okay. mean, it's it's pretty much it's I wouldn't say identical, but it's very close. And uh, it was apparently it's pretty popular. Uh, game. Oh, so I'm looking at your notes now, and when you said Earhart, I thought you were talking about this was a game based on Amelia Earhart. Right, right, yeah. But it's not, though, yeah, right? Yeah, no, it's not. It's okay. not. It, it looks like it looks a lot like this game. So, one thing about this guy, this Don, is, you understand, he's a laid-back dude, okay? And he was in no hurry, because he worked from home, and they brought him, and didn't give a crap what he did. Mm-hmm. So, he took three years to make Earhart, um, and it turned out okay. He took some stuff out of it because he couldn't get it to work. And in between the times he was working on it, he would work on other stuff and just get rid of it. He says it himself that he just, the way he works is like, he wasn't tied to anything. So if he didn't like the way a game was going, he would just kill it. Mm. And he apparently killed some stuff that they wanted. He's like, ah, I got bored with it. It's gone. Mm. 
he would like he worked on an airplane, like a seaplane game, that apparently they were frothing over, and he was like, "Eh, I got bored with it." And he just got rid of it. Wow. So but that's the way he is, right? So, uh, Earhart comes out; it's pretty popular uh, on 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 that system, and so he's like, "Well, I'm going to try to do a, a newer version." And he was looking at what computers were coming along, and what he really was excited about was the sixty-eight thousand uh, series with the Amiga, and so. It was time to put out another game, and the Atari ST was another one he liked. And so the next game he came out with after a couple more years of programming was uh, Typhoon Thompson in Search for the Sea Child. Um, and so he played it out, and he, and he actually programmed the very first one was on the Atari ST. Uh, and so the Amiga version sort of a play off the ST. And just as a side note, uh, I was looking at an issue, I was looking for reviews on this. And there aren't a ton of reviews. I mean, there are some, but uh, I was looking at a review for the Atari ST version because it came out in '90, in uh, an '89. It got a real good review. But one thing it mentioned that I loved, it said, it said like if you're waiting around for the Amiga version, it's not going to happen. No chance of that coming out. It's just screwed. And then lo and behold, it's just so. <laughs> this was the a little editorializing on the part of the Atari right, ST. Right. Right. Well, I guess it's community. funny. It, they had a section at the bottom. <clears throat> For like DOS and Amiga, so I guess they, if this came out on other platforms, they might have compared them or something, mm-hmm. or maybe just mocked them. Who yeah. knows? So anyway, with all that said, the fellow that that brought us uh, Choplifter, and I also should add that he did, he also converted. We actually have covered one of his games. He converted over Prince of Persia, oh. and he did the programming on the Amiga, and did a, a, a darn fine job on that. So this is the same fellow that did that. So. As I mentioned, this came out in 1990. Uh, it was a single disc, and again, it was developed by Dan Gorland Productions, which is basically Dan, and um, and some you know he had some artists and stuff with him. Um, they didn't do much else. It was published by Broderbund in the U.S. and of course Broderbund, their big claim to fame was the Carmen San Diego series, which I know you love. And <laughs> Domark did the. the I love Broderbund. I like a lot of Broderbund software, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's funny the on the Amiga. Broderman, I always think of, whenever I think of Broderman, I think of Atari. Yeah, 8-bit stuff. You know, and so I'm looking over what they did on the Amiga, and what they did mostly was the Carmen San Diego's, they did Prince of Persia, Karotica, which wasn't on the Amiga, it mm-hmm. got converted over. But they also did Wings of Fury, which I remember playing, and they, they did Shuttle Puck Cafe, which I remember playing. Uh, but really, that's all pretty much all they did. Mm-hmm. Joan of Arc, they didn't do anything big, you right. know, big titles. Like didn't weren't they were they the ones behind like the print shops? I know yeah. they did some. Yeah, they did print shop. They did they did a couple like graphic adventure games stuff like that. I mean they were they were I think of them as the Atari guys. I don't know if they did print shop or not. I'm not sure on that one. I can't remember yeah. what I thought man, but I remember they did some utilities. So um, this this game was uh, the guys that worked on it. Roy didn't do anything else on the Amiga except for the graphics guy. He did the Gateway and Treasures of the Savage Frontier D and D games. Uh, so. There, there's that. Not not that much. Again, this game only appeared on the Amiga, on the Atari uh, 2 and the 2GS and the... Wait a minute. Excuse me, the Apple 2. Okay. Well, wouldn't that have been something, right? <laughs> I just blew minds. And the Atari ST. So really, you, you're looking at three basic systems. Mm-hmm. And the Atari, from what I could tell, the Apple 2 that they're adding in on this is Earhart. So it's really not entirely the same game. Yeah. It's pretty much the same game. Um, so... Let's talk about this game, uh, the game itself. So, the game, believe it or not, I had to look hard, long and hard to find the storyline. Because, I mean, did you know the exact storyline when you were playing this? I, I remember reading about it in the uh, 
in the in the, in the docks, and it's that's what I, had to, I had to look at the Atari FT yeah. docks for it. So I'm just gonna kind of give you a because it, it's sort of important. So um, basically, you're an alien race, and you have a, a uh, uh, you have a uh, flight that goes down on this ocean planet. Okay. And there's a faint signal that says someone's still alive. It's, it, they think it's a child, right? So you are uh, Typhoon Thompson. And basically, from what the documents say, they don't necessarily say what you did wrong, but apparently you're a screw-up. And this is the last chance you've got before they just get rid of you. Mm-hmm. So you're, if you don't get the kid, you're boned, basically. And so they outfit you with this little uh, hovercraft... And actually, you've got uh, there are, ends up you end up all the hovercraft you've got. You've got the one they leave you with, and all the extra ones you got are from the previous rescue missions that all failed. Mm. So the, those uh, those uh, um, those two uh, water phantoms or whatever they actually have the other the other hovercrafts. There. They're, they're from the mm-hmm. direct ones. That's really uplifting. That, yeah, <laughs> you know. So like here, here's all the dead people. We scraped them out of there. <laughs> you know, hop in. So. This game, so it takes place on the water. Mm-hmm. Really, you don't ever see land; it's all water. It's water world. It is water world, and you play this with the mouse. Uh, the uh, you and, and if you so you're and the graphics are very small. So when you are on the screen, you're pretty tiny on the screen. It's, it looks pretty vast, which mm-hmm. I guess that's what they were going for. And um, you move forward with the mouse. The hovercraft goes forward, backward, backward, left, right. It's pretty obvious. If you hit one of your, if you hit your mouse button, the the thrusters kick in, depending on which way you're going. Mm-hmm. Um, and then your other button shoots the, whatever weapon you, you've got, or actually shoots a cannon, and you can shoot different weapons with combinations right. of the buttons. Right. Um, one thing, and I don't know if you're going to mention this or not, so I'll go ahead and mention ahead. it. One thing that's neat about this game is that if you hit, I think F2 or F3 it actually brings up the entire control scheme of the game. And yes. that's very useful and not something that you see a lot in, in classic computer games. That is true. And that, I mean, I actually used that at the first. I was like, okay, let's see what's going on here. And it, you're right. It's actually got a pretty robust function screen there. Mm-hmm. It's got all the functions of the various buttons laid out, which which is very helpful. So what do you do in this game? Well, you're after, you're trying to rescue this child. So this, this land is inhabited by these... Uh, Sea, sea fairies, basically, and they have kidnapped the child, and so they live in these little—I don't know what you call buoys. Let's mm-hmm. go with that. And so, and they'll, and they're when you go out to where they're at, there are buoys that are usually in a, something like a semicircle or something. And at first, the very first thing you do in the game is these two big hooded figures will give you a mission. We want you to go and get, uh, get this, get the hammer, get the pacifier, whatever it is. And then you you basically roll your boat out there, your hovercraft, to where these buoys are, and you shoot them or run into them. And when you do that, stuff pops out the, the top. Mm-hmm. And in the early stages, like one or two things will pop off. And what and what these things are are enemies. And there are various kinds of enemies. There are some that shoot. Bu- there are bubble things that shoot bubbles, and there are things that'll pick you up and drag you and get and destroy your craft. Then there are things that just hit you and sink you, right? And you're and you're boned. When you shoot these things, a little dude pops out. I mean, literally, they shoot off in a various direction. And then you've got to drive your hovercraft up beside them and grab them and stuff them in a bag. All right? And you, when you do, when you get everything that was in that buoy, the boy's little light on the buoy shuts off and you know you've cleared that buoy. 
this is pretty much the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the game. Uh, and once you get all the buoys cleared, it has a, it plays a little fanfare, and then you go to a there's a, there'll be a little glowing dot on the screen. You you put your uh, thing on, and what happens, which is actually kind of funny, the uh, uh, the a little guy will come out of this middle buoy and he'll shake his fist at you because you've got all of his buddies in their bag. And in return for releasing all of his buddies, he gives you whatever you're after at that mm-hmm. point, a sword, the hammer, the pacifier, whatever it is. And then you drive back and meet up with the hooded guys again for your next mission. There are four missions, and at the end, there's like an end boss. So really, technically, it's five missions. And then uh, after that, the game ends. You know, uh, What's different in the various, the, the, the more levels are you get different weapons. There's a freeze bomb. There's a shatter. There's a shatter thing. There's a thing that attracts the the bad guys. It makes them easier to catch. Uh, but basically, what really differs is the fact that when you hit those buoys, more guys pop out, mm-hmm. and more and more guys pop out as you go. Yeah, that's the difficulty curve. Yeah, um, the uh, the screen. Uh, they did a good job simulating the water. I thought. I thought it was. I thought it was nicely done. Musically, it's pr- fairly sparse. Yeah. You know. Uh, it could have done with some dynamic music. Boy, if we it, if we could have had some like really truly dynamic music or some beautiful music or something, it would have fit the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say graphically, aside from water and the sky and the little bush, there's not much else going on. Yeah, what graphics are there are nice. I mean, there's there's a day night cycle that but, is nice. That mm-hmm. and the the horizon looks it's quite it's, beautiful. Well, it's it's a it's a lie to call it a day night cycle. As you progress through the game, it gets darker and right. darker. And it never was, cycles. And the right last now. level looks really cool when, mm-hmm. it, when it's dark. Uh, the bad guys, are, I like the biggest when they get when you shoot them and they turn into the little sprites. They're mm-hmm. cool looking. And if you take too long, they will basically swim back to their buoy right. and jump back in. You have to do it all over. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, and, and the a- animations in this game are really spot on. There's a thing at the beginning where your guy doesn't want to leave the mothership to get in his little boat, and they basically kick him out. And, we, <laughs> and it varies. There's a couple of different animations for it that are real clever. Um, the, uh, uh, the the part with the big hooded guys is pretty cool looking. The hooded guys look cool. They'll shower you with powers, mm-hmm. which is, you know it's it's kind of neat. It's it's odd that they chose guys that look like that to be the good guys. It is at first. The first thing they do is hit you with this fireball, right. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh God, yeah. what's happening?" Well, that's a that's a good thing, mm-hmm. you know. But it's yeah, giving it you is, a power. Right? It is goofy, mm-hmm. you know. I, I thought it was real goofy actually. Um, so as you progress through the game, you, they these guys send you to pick up different items, right? Uh, a, a, a sword, a hammer, a pacifier. Um, what was the um, other one? Bo? A balloon. A balloon. That's mm-hmm. it. And at, which they seem nonsensical until you see the very end, which right. I could not get to. I don't, did you get to the end? Uh, I, I I could definitely could not get to the end, but I watched right. I watched I, somebody play the yeah, end. Yeah, I did too. And the ending is cute. Uh, I mean, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there is some atmosphere to the game, so uh, I can't. We, kill well, it. well, we should probably talk about what the ending is. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So you collect all of these items, and what you don't realize is that you use all of these items in a specific order to free the sea child. So the sea child is, he's in this sort of glass dome sort of thing. So you have to use the hammer to break 
the uh, the eye or to, the, to break the dome. Uh, you've got to use the balloon to float over to the dome. And then the, the last move is he's crying when you lift him out, and so you give him the pacifier and then you hold him up. You get the sword, the balloon when you get over there, yeah, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. So there's there you use every single item, and it's it's kind of cute. I mean, it's not it you is. know a huge plot twist or anything, but it's it's kind of interesting. It, I thought it was a neat way. Because they don't give you any context, the hooded figures. They just say, we want this, we want this. Right, right. And so you don't know what's going on. Right. And at the end, your guy sort of stands up triumphantly. With yeah. It was nice. Now, um, niceties aside, um, I was not fond of this game. And it wasn't because of the aesthetics or the animation. The actual game, I, I found infuriating. <laughs> I just found it totally infuriating after the second level. Uh, by the third level, when you shoot these buoys... Like, 10 million things pop out. And every time you shoot one of the things that pop out, there are two or three things in that. So it's literally, it's it's insanity. Mm -hmm. And you have to be incredibly careful in this game not to hit other stuff. Oh, God forbid that you hit two or three of these things, because it's crazy time. Yeah. And there's nothing more. And the one thing that frustrated me the most, I could get past multiple guys. I could get past hitting multiple bullies. As I mentioned, you have to drive your hover cart up to the guys and pick them up in your sack. You could park this thing right on top of these suckers, and sometimes he would not put them in the sack. Yeah. If I wish to you there was a button that would just let me manually put them in the sack, mm -hmm. because he does it automatically. Sometimes he won't do it. I don't know if it's because you're not going fast enough. Mm -hmm. And if one or two of these guys get back, you've got to start the whole thing again. And, and, and on the later levels, like I got to, the, I could easily get past the first and second level, and then the third level was so frustrating. I just said, to, I just couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. I tried and tried and tried. Well, I tried I, different I, methods. It I think drove me nuts. you know one of the things that that I learned by watching the uh, the the let's play. This is uh, Al eighty um, two. Is um, what he does is he'll fire, you know, he'll blow up the the buoy and then immediately reverse engines and go far, far away so he doesn't accidentally blow up anything else and that's then exactly comes back. That's exactly what I was, yeah. that's what I was doing. And, and you have to use the little, the little fake, the little fake light that draws mm -hmm. them over. I mean, that is a, is a necessity uh, uh, once you get to that third level because otherwise these things, it, they will end, they, it doesn't take them long to stop floating and to go back into those buoys. And I mean, you're, and sometimes if you have to chase these things out, because when they, when you kill them, wherever they're at, they blow out of this thing in a random direction, so you can have to drive all over the place hunting these things down. And there's nothing more frustrating than having almost all these things put away, and there's one or two that fly back. And then one, you know, once you shoot them, when they come out, there's going to be three or four more that fly out. Right. It was just, it just, it wasn't fun for me. It was much more irritating, mm -hmm. you know. Now, I granted, I, I didn't play this game for months, but I, I played a lot, and I, I found myself not faring much better. You know, and this isn't the kind of hard that we usually talk about on the Amiga, where it's just really hard. I mean, this was the annoying hard where I didn't feel like I was making any progress, and I didn't know how to continue. Uh, and I'm like you, I watched some playthroughs to try to figure out what I was doing wrong and try to copy them, but I didn't have much luck. Um, famously, Jordan Mechner, the guy that did uh, that did uh, Prince of Persia and Karatika, he had a look at this game before it was released, and he said that the game was beautiful. It was an incredible engine. It was a it was a incredible technology, but the game was boring as hell. Mm -hmm. and, and he was and I, that's, I, I, yeah, I'd agree with that. And I, I mean, his assessment was I think it's pretty accurate. Mm -hmm. it's just it's it's the, plus. Let's say you're really good at the game. There's no variance to it right. at all. And then once you four levels, if you're a good hand, this game's longevity, the length of it is 
purely on mass. Mm -hmm. There's not a ton of extra content. Even if you're great at it, it's going to take you a little while just to get past levels three and four. Mm -hmm. And uh, by the time you get to the end, you're not going to want to pick it back up. I can't imagine wanting to replay this after you beat it. I just, I, I can't imagine right. why you'd want to. And there's a lot of missed opportunities here. Um, you can drive your hover, you can dive your hovercraft into the water mm -hmm. and drive underwater. Like, why not have like a bonus stage where you're under the water and you're shooting things like you know Galaga style or something it's like that? It's funny you should mention it because when I was researching this, he mentioned that he had planned underwater tunnels and stuff. But it, but due to limitations of the hardware or mm -hmm. whatever he got, he didn't put them in. Mm -hmm. And so, I can only assume that though the diving and stuff was that was part of it, uh, that he was going to have these underwater tunnels that would have added an element to the game that's not that's not there, uh, a much needed yeah. element. Uh, this reminds me of something that would be part of a larger game. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the uh, uh, the element of shooting these buoys. I mean, you've got. Using the mouse is, is an interesting way of traveling, but if you've got if if, if we establish that the hovercraft is cool, you can move it around. Why not have some races? Why not have some stuff that you need to go somewhere quick mm -hmm. or some jumps? Something that wasn't just. I mean, in this game, really, you you just go back and forth. There's no there's no high speed running. I mean, you I mean you might gonna go back to the two hooded guys real quick, but that's effectively all. Because the, the thrusters, I found myself using them not very much, mm -hmm. you know, because you were... You just, you get out of control too not, quickly. I didn't find the enemies that tough to kill. Mm -hmm. Did you notice that? No. Yeah. It was more, the it's frustration the, the was getting the guys. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the fact that these enemies were so hard. I mean, sometimes it would snag me. There's an interesting bit where this thing comes up under you. It looks almost like, it reminds me, it was the uh, Stanley Cup. Mm. It's, like the, <laughs> it's like the robot version. It scoops you up in its cup and then it destroys your craft. Then you appear back at the beginning, and you have to put, and, and so you've lost the craft. I mean, if you lose all your craft, the game's over. Uh, the uh, the HUD at the bottom is does a reasonable job of showing you how many men you've got left, how many hovercrafts, your direction, how, how much, you, how many of the uh, buoys you've taken out, and how much time it's taken. Uh, uh, the but I mean, really, most of that stuff's sort of kind of pointless. I mean, the compass didn't come into play at all. I mean, it's not like you're traveling. A long distance to get to these uh, bad guys. I mean, they're just right there. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. uh, you just kind of go over there. You can see them. You don't need to. I don't know what the compass. I mean, unless you really go far off trying to find these guys. I didn't try to test the boundaries of the ocean, but I didn't really see any need to. I'm, no. I'm assuming it ends somewhere. Uh, again, you get the various weapons. The the way he implemented the weapons are like, uh, of course, you've got your regular gun and you've got your thrusters. Then uh, one of the other weapons, if you hold down your thruster button and hit the regular weapon button, you'll get that button. And the other weapon is if you hold down the regular weapon button and tap the thruster button, you'll get that. It's a pretty decent system, I yeah. thought. You know, um, I will say, playing this on my 600, my mouse is now, gosh, what, 30 years old or whatever. So it ain't moving too great mm -hmm. these days. And so a game, much like, like a Marble Man, it's a game that relies on... Good Precise mouse control. Mouse control yeah. It wasn't, it, and I played this on the actual Amiga, so I, I didn't have the best control with the mouse. It was sort of that was sort of frustrating too. Mm -hmm. I cleaned the mouse a lot and tried it again. Uh, it, but you know, if this would probably work better on a, if you had a better mouse. Yeah, like an emulator I, with a laser mouse. Right, like I was I was playing this on the emulator and I thought that it controlled very well. I mean, you could be very precise. That didn't help the awful collision detection when you're scooping up the guys. But uh, I I never felt like I was out of control. Uh, like you said, the the biggest uh, the biggest fault with this game is the lack of variety. Yeah, and 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 uh, well, to me it was the frustration. I just, I couldn't get past. 
the little, I'll tell you, I had nightmares about these little guys. They're like, they're like sea monkeys or something. And when you see when these suckers swimming back, they, because they sort of almost transform when they yeah. start swimming back. They look like almost like fish. And it's so frustrating. You're just like, no, no, no. I can't tell you how many times I screamed at one of those stupid bowies, uh, buoys, whenever, not Bowie, I love him. You know, but the, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was a real bummer. You got anything else to add on this one, Boat? I mean, I think that pretty much sums up. You sound like we had a very similar experience on this one. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, I, I'm kind of like you. <sighs> Missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. There's so much. The the handling of the craft is so interesting that they could have probably done more with just that aspect of the game. Something else they could have done was just made the guys bigger. Now, I know there maybe there's a reason that everything was so tiny, but, I mean, this isn't sensible soccer, man. You could have made these guys. I mean, there's so much of the screen left empty. You know, am You're I exactly wrong here? right. I mean, the only thing I can think of is they just couldn't have got the, the style of animation that they wanted at the speed. I, I suppose so. But, but I, mean, I don't know. I don't know a good reason why everything is you so could small. have literally at least made these one and a half times larger, yeah. if not two times larger. And you would still have been able to see what's going on, in my opinion. So that's just me. The only, the, you know, just, just one other idea is the way that they kind of do the scaling with the sprites. Maybe yeah. it would have distorted them too much to do anything. Yeah, you know. might be right. So uh, the reviews on this thing, uh, you know, it reviewed okay. It didn't It didn't blow anybody's doors off. Um, Amiga Action, go to 72. Man, you like printed that in the worst possible way. Yeah, I know. Way. Well, it's not my fault. What are you going to do? Uh, the uh, It's a Lexmark. Enough said. <laughs> uh, Amiga, uh, Amiga Format gave it an 80. So lots of 70s and 80s. You know, in there, and I mean, I think mo- most people had the same opinion of it that we do. I think you got an eight on lemon, you know, which I, I mean, that's pretty high. Good. Yeah, I wouldn't go that high. No, you know, no. like if you could pretty say last week's game, and I wasn't the biggest fan of it, but I mean, that one's way more mm-hmm. fun. The fun factor is the biggest problem. It's got the graphics, it's got the atmosphere, right? It's got everything you'd want, not the music, but it doesn't have the fun factor for me uh, overall. Um, I did look this thing up on the eBay here. Um, if I can find, oh here it is. So I looked this up on eBay. You can get there, these weren't falling out of the sky. I can tell you that. There's a box copy in Austria. If you're feeling froggy, twenty five bucks US, not bad. No, right. Uh, you can get the discs in the UK for about nine bucks US, and a box copy recently sold in Germany for seven American dollars. <laughs> not too bad. So if you, uh, if this you, is a good one to pick up if you're looking to collect on the cheap. That's right. Oh, I should also mention this game has no score, per se. Yeah. And so, uh, I guess it you, it ranks you at the end on based on how long it took you, mm. which is a another Prince of Persia gimmick. And the reason is, uh, old Dan does not like scores. He just thinks they're boring and doesn't doesn't put them in there. So, there you go. All right. Well, Aaron, um, we should probably remind everybody that we do record Amigos and our sister show, ARG Presents Live, yeah. every Friday night. Um, uh, Friday night for us, uh, it's 5.30 Eastern time, or around there. Um, and uh, <laughs> you can hang out with the fine folks in the chat, like uh, Ricky Drosher, Got Henrik Anderson in the house, Brutal Barracuda, Pixels at Dawn, Paula Harrington, Dan Ross, Kate P, Duncan Styles. We got a huge crowd out tonight for the show. Necro, so, Necronom, yeah, in there too. Yeah, that's I uh, am Paul. And, oh, is that, uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's who that, that is. I love and, your evil name. Uh, and so uh, you can hang out with those folks. Oftentimes, as we always say, the uh, conversation in the chat is more entertaining than the show. That's itself. almost another show. Yeah, you can just kind of look at that. Yeah, uh, and. Um, 
As always, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and uh, Instagram. All of our Discord buddies, hi to them. Yeah, love that. And uh, also Google Plus. Can't forget about that. Google Plus. Uh, <clears throat> but now it's time. Everywhere. You know, last week, Aaron, we started the contest. Oh yes, uh, I was wondering how so, this would go. Yeah, so I played a song for the Patreon supporters, and um, I got no entries. I think I think I think I got I went a little bit too deep of a cut because I had no idea what, <coughs> and I still don't know. So last are you going to reveal yeah, that? So last week's song was uh, track two on the debut Weezer album, the Blue album called now, No One Else. No one's going to get that boat. You know, I, I I took a risk. It didn't pay. Good out. God. What you, this so. isn't name that tune, man. So this week I'm going to go with something a little easier. I think you might be able to get <laughs> Like We Will Rock You or something? Or something so <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna go the other way. Something so dumb, guys, stupid that you have to be an idiot not to not to win the contest. I think you, you should you should get this one. So, just to restate, we are having a contest. Um, <laughs> you better uh, restate it twice. <laughs> That uh, we're going to um, just no sold that one. We're going to play. I'm going to play a, the, the the normal Patreon song. Uh, if you know the song that I'm singing, uh, then you can email me at john at amigospodcast.com uh, with your guess and your mailing address and your favorite episode of Amigos, and I will send you um, a special prize. Oh boy! Um, and so, uh, without further ado. Here is this week's song. Donald Tyler Level, Lord John Marshall, Matthew Perron, Ricky DeRocher, Creepy Dead Boy, Figgy CTZ. Slow Norris, Stefan Sorgard, Martin Sand, Edmund Pellin, Blender 75, Christopher Hessel, Ravi Abbott, Chris Foles, Dreamcatcher, Lauren Jerub, and Betty, Brent Dowdy, Lane Vincent, Adam Batters, Brian Retrovin, Gary Hucker, C. Brian Jones, Paul Harrington, Duncan Stars, Anthony Nooney, Jarvis, Tapes from the Crib, Josh Nash, Will Williams, Adam Bradley, Jonas Rulo, THT, Eric Nelson, Kim Tommy Humberstyle. Daniel Bingston, Brutal Barracuda, Darren Coles, Jason Warnes, Pixels at Dawn, Joe Bjorn Barman. Beautiful. All right. Yeah, you wrote reverse on that one compared to last week. <laughs> <laughs> so, Aaron. Yeah. Next week on Amigos, we are going to be doing. Uh, Brutal Barracudas pick another Amigos um, game selection committee member. Uh, he has chosen for us to play and discuss Cruise for a Corpse. I've heard about this game. I swear it's came up a million times in our in my histories. 
and I've, I have no idea what it is. So I am actually looking forward to this. Awesome. This is another one like this week's where I've got no idea what we're in store for. Yeah, I can't wait to check it out. So make sure you tune in uh, live if you want to next Friday around 530 Eastern, or you can watch us anytime on YouTube or on the podcast. So, Aaron, until next week, we'll see you next time, folks. Adios. Adios.